Tonight's reading is from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is God's word. It's true, and it's given out of his love. Thanks, guys. You can be seated. Amen. Thanks, Brandon. Would you guys pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence here tonight on the fact that we can gather as a body of believers in pursuit of you. I pray that tonight as we uh, look at what you've done in our lives this past year and look forward to what we feel you're leading us into this next year, I pray that you would make us humble, uh, that we might be servants of your kingdom and not our own glory. Uh, But I also ask God that uh, each of us in this room tonight, we would leave here tonight with a special understanding of how much you love us. I pray that we would leave here more in love with you than when we came. And we ask these things in the name of your glorious son, Jesus. Amen. So, well, amen. Well, as it's been said a few times, it's great to see everyone here tonight. And um, if, if you're new, we're so glad you're here. Uh, but this is going to be a little bit different tonight than it normally is. This is our annual vision uh, sermon tonight. So instead of going through one passage of the Bible the whole time, we're going to break things up a little differently. We're going to look at two passages really briefly. And then we're going to uh, do our discussion time at our table like we normally do. And then we're going to end tonight with a little bit longer, about 20 minutes or so, look at the vision for the upcoming year and, what, like I said, what we think God is leading us into this next year, which is some, some exciting stuff. And we want to make sure we uh, get, get at some foundational principles that we need to have characterize our identity as a community if we're going to grow into this calling that we feel God has on us as a corporate body of believers. So, But like I said, I'm glad that everyone is, is here tonight. And I want to start off with a, a question that I read in the, uh, the book, The Gospel-Centered Life. It's what we use for our community group curriculum. It's a fantastic resource. But uh, towards the beginning of this book, the author asks this question and says, uh, as God thinks of you right now, what is the look on his face? So I'm thinking about that for a second. As God thinks of you right now, what is the look on his face? And I, I love that question because I think if we're really honest with ourselves, that somewhere deep down in the recesses of our souls, there's these dark places that we don't really want to deal with as people. We want to push those aside and pretend they don't exist. But then when you ask, what does God think of you? What's the look on his face when he's thinking of you right now? You know that that God knows that stuff. The stuff that you've tried to keep hidden from everyone else, some of the, the junk that's in there, you know God knows of that. So if you think about, honestly, what, what is the look on his face? If you're like me, you can tend to have this answer that says, well, God's probably angry at me. Or, or maybe he's frustrated. Or perhaps, perhaps God is disappointed with you. And, and those negative emotions are really powerful and they can kind of define how we view our relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. And it reminds me of this scene from the movie Inception. It's one of my favorite movies. It's, it's awesome. If you haven't seen it, it's got Leonardo DiCaprio and it's really a, a brain-twisting kind of thriller. But there's this, this character in the movie whose father had died and as the son was sitting at his father's deathbed, the last words of, of his dying father was disappointed. That's all he said. He disappointed and then he, then he died. And so the son was left with this haunting memory that his father was disappointed with him. 
And that obviously characterized the relationship that the son thought he had with his father then and what it did to the memories of his father that he had now that his, his dad had passed away. And I think that that view is how a lot of us relate to God. We think that if, we're, if, if God is really honest, he's probably disappointed with us, that we haven't turned out the way we should have or that we would like to have or all these different pressures that we put on ourselves. But, but what we're going to see tonight, though, is that nothing could be further from the truth than that. Okay, our Heavenly Father is not disappointed with us in any way if we have trusted Jesus as our Lord. Okay, when God looks at us, he has nothing but an overflow of love and affection, and he's desirous of a relationship with us. And so when we, when we think about the look on God's face, disappointed is the farthest thing that from what we should um, be, be feeling. But I think the reason that a lot of us can feel that way when we talk about our relationship with God is because we have failed to rest adequately in God's love. Okay, resting in God's love is kind of the topic we're going to talk about tonight before we go to our discussions. And, and, and here's how I know we don't rest in God's love. Okay, let, let's ask some, ourselves some questions here. What in your life are you most proud of? Okay, what in your life are you most proud of? I mean, is it your job, the fact that you're successful, that you have uh, an awesome family? Uh, are you most proud of your uh, accomplishments in the past, some of the high school glory days maybe of the, the old sporting events or, or your grades or something? Are you proud of your appearance? Uh, do you like the fact that you can grow an awesome beard that makes other men jealous of your masculinity, stuff like that, hypothetically speaking, something like that? You know, or we have all these things that, are, that can be good things that we're proud of. But when I ask you, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I say, what are you most proud of? The fact that we don't say, I am proud of the amazing fact that God has adopted me as his child. Okay, if we really rested in God's love, that should be the first thing that comes to our mind. Okay, let's turn it up on its head a little bit and ask this, a similar question. When you think of what you most long for in your life, what do you desire more than anything else? What, what, what do you long for? You know, do you long for a better job, perhaps a, a, a more well-behaved family, or perhaps uh, the ability to have, to have children, um, to the, uh, a successful career? Um, you're, would you, do you long for a better appearance? Do, do you wish you could grow an awesome, awesome masculine beard that would make other people jealous? You see, like, there's all these other things that we can go after that we can say, if I could have anything, that's what I would want. Okay, but why don't we say, if I could have anything, I would have a deeper relationship with God. I, I would rest more easily in the love and the affection that God has for me. So you see, when, when we ask these questions, what are we most proud of and what do we long for the most? Those are questions of identity. Okay, whatever it is that you reach for first when I say, ask you those questions, that is where you find your identity. If it's in your work, if it's your appearance, your family, your activities, your success, whatever it is, whatever the first thing you reach for, that's where you find your identity. But the thing about finding your identity in anywhere other than Jesus is that it will ultimately leave you terribly, terribly disappointed. Okay, so let's, let's see what Jesus has to tell us as we study his word tonight. And we're going to be looking at this idea of what is our identity rooted in? Where do we rest our identity? So if you want to turn with me to John chapter 4. This is a, a famous story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, you've probably heard it. Uh, if you've grown up in church anyway, you've heard it a, a dozen times, I'm sure. So it's John chapter 4. And if I could find it, we would get there. So um, if you don't have a Bible, there's one on your t the table in front of you. And the verses will also be on the screen behind us. But, but what's going on here is Jesus is traveling through um, the northern part of Israel. And he's going back to Jerusalem. And he has to pass through the land of Samaria. Now the Samaritans... And the Israelites hate each other. 
Okay, like, think of any, any uh, racial tension or cultural divide that co- first comes to mind. And it, way worse than that is the Samaritans and the Jews. And so that, that's the cultural backdrop for this. Let's look at verse 7, beginning. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So, so here what's going on is she's pointing out the differences between her and Jesus. Okay, this would be like an, an African-American asking someone in a KKK hooded outfit for a drink of water. Okay, it's just that doesn't happen. She is blown away that this guy, this Jewish man sitting at, the ta- at this well would ask her a woman and a Samaritan woman, someone that most Jewish men would never even think of talking to. The fact that Jesus asked her for a drink of water shows that Jesus is doing something completely different than whatever she is used to. So let, let's continue. Uh, and Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? So she says, She's looking around and saying, there's no way that Jesus can get water. So what is this living water that he's talking about? And what we see from her response is that she has literally no idea what Jesus is talking about. Okay? And that is all of us, I think, as well. When we talk about this concept of God's love for us, it's such a foreign concept to think that someone would love us in spite of all the things that we've done. We don't have to do anything to impress him or to earn his love, but God just loves us because of his nature. His character, God is love. That, that's something that we don't understand, just like the Samaritan woman doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about. Uh, and then verse 12, it says, she continues, the Samaritan woman, are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Okay? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. He's pointing out that this well that has all kinds of cultural significance for her village because it comes from their patriarch who was a hugely significant person and they kind of view it as a source of pride. He's saying that every time you come to get water from this well, you'll only end up being thirsty again. Okay, but conversely, Jesus continues, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Instead of the water from the well in Samaria that will run dry and leave you thirsty again, Jesus is offering her fresh water, that living water, that once you drink of it, you'll never be thirsty again. It's completely opposite of the, the well that she has been going to. And the, the reason we're starting off with this verse tonight as we're talking about God's love for us is because these other things we run to, again, success, power, sex, family, um, whatever it is that your God is, where you find your identity, that thing you first reach for, those are all dry wells. If, if you go to that, if you go to your job thinking that will give you significance in life, that is going to the same dry well that the woman of Samaria is. And you have to keep drawing water from that well time and time and time again. And it will never satisfy your urge for significance. Okay, you'll always feel that you're missing out on something, that if you just had a little bit more, it would help you. But in, instead of that, Jesus offers us this lit water, uh, living water from a well that never runs dry. Okay, it's, it's the water that your soul longs for, that when you drink deeply of it, you're satisfied in the love and the affection that God Almighty has for you. 
Okay, that's the kind of well that we need to be drawing from if we're going to find the significance in the life that God has for each of us. Okay, and it's when you draw from that well, when you draw from the well of Jesus' love, that's when all of the, the misgivings you've had about his relationship with you, that's when they all melt away. So let's go back to that movie Inception for you. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to just ruin the best part of the movie. But like I said, it's been out 10 years now, so it's your fault if you haven't seen it anyway. But so the, the, the character whose father died and, and it scarred his relationship because he was disappointed with his son, he has the chance to go back and kind of relive that moment with his dying father. And, and his father mumbles out the words disappointed again. Only this time the son answers and says, I know you were disappointed. I couldn't live up to the life that you did. And, and his father shakes his head and he says, no, I was disappointed that you thought you had to try. And then there's this amazing moment where the son breaks down and starts crying and, and he looks and he sees this memento of a childhood uh, memory that he had of the most beautiful time he had with his father growing up. And, and it just brings healing to that division because he feels that instead of his father being disappointed with him, he was disappointed that he thought he had to live up to some standard his dad set for him. And it brought healing to that relationship. And that's what happens to our relationship with God when we drink of this well that Jesus talks about. Okay, we realize that God is not disappointed with us. God loves us in a way that's unfathomable. There's no way our human minds can ever comprehend the depth of God's love for us. And so that's what it means to, to have your relationship built on the rock of Christ Jesus. Okay? To, to drink deeply of the well of his love and affection for you. Okay? And, and this, this concept is something that, that's so big. I think all of our Christian lives need to be built around going after this. Okay? As a community, as we look to 2016 and see what God's going to do in our church, he's, whatever is coming has no significance whatsoever if we are going to all these other dry wells instead of to the well of Jesus' love for us. So, so how do we do this? What does it mean to, um, to go after this, this well of Jesus' love for us? And so that's, that's the other passage we're going to look at tonight. It comes from Ephesians chapter 3. So uh, that, again, this will be on the screen as well. But, um, but this is the most... I'm trying to think of how to say this without sounding like I'm exaggerating. But I think this is the most profound verses that we can ever look at when it comes to the love of God for us. And I think that the more we press into these verses and the more that we root our identity in what Paul is telling us here about the love of Jesus, the more our community will be transformed by that amazing power that comes from rooting your identity in Christ. So let's read Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being. Okay, your inner being, the, the depths of your soul, who it is that you, you uh, run to when it comes to your identity. Okay, your inner being is that we're getting back to this question of identity. And this is what he wants our identity to be built around. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love Rooted and grounded in love. Okay, rooted is, is a, an imagery of, think of a, of a tree that its roots are going down deep into healthy, rich soil. Okay, not like this Colorado soil we have around here that nothing will ever grow in, but like Midwestern, dark, black soil that has so much nutrients and health and these, the trees grow ginormous because they're rooted in the richness of the soil. Okay, that's what it means to be to grow in God's love to have our roots go down deep into the love of God and then also to be grounded in God's love. 
Okay, this is an architectural term. It means to have the foundation laid. So just like a, a huge building comes on top of a small foundation, right, that's a sturdy foundation that's laid as it's supposed to, that needs to be the, real, our, the foundation of our lives. The foundation of our identity needs to come from the fact that we are rooted and grounded in the love of God. And then this 18 is where your mind's going to be blown. It says, may, that, you, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Did you catch that? That you can comprehend, you can understand with your mind the love that, of God that goes beyond all knowledge. Okay, it's, it, it's a love that you have to try to understand because it's so under, ununderstandable. You have to try to comprehend the incomprehensible, the, the breadth and height and depth and length of God's love for us. Okay, do you know what that tells me? If, if he says, I want you to comprehend something incomprehensible, that means that that is what it means to be a Christian, I think. When we say that our, our slogan here at Missio Dei is hearts and minds growing in grace and truth, that's that growing part. The, the, the longer you live and walk out your faith in Jesus, the more you'll have a better understanding of his love. But at the same time, all of your, the days that you have on earth will not be enough time to plumb the depths of what it means when I say to you, God loves you very much. When I say, God is not disappointed in you. God, God loves you. He has affection for you. He desires a deep, intimate relationship with you. Okay, those things we, get, we throw around so cavalierly, like they don't really mean anything, saying, oh yeah, God is love, God loves you, Jesus loves me, all this stuff. But if you think about it, what Paul's saying here is that the rest of your life, the rest of my life, the rest of our church's life collectively is to be devoted to plumbing the depths of the riches of God's love for us. Okay? That, that's an amazing calling to think about. And that will completely transform all of this stuff that we're talking about when it comes to our identity. And the reason we're talking about this tonight on our vision night is because if we are going to be a community that helps shape the identity of Falcon, which we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but that's, that's our, our purpose as a church, help shape the identity of Falcon around the gospel. But there's no way that we as a church can shape Falcon's identity until we first have our own identity rooted in the love of Jesus. Okay, we, we, Falcon, Colorado Springs, Peyton, they don't need anyone telling them, I read about this guy named Jesus and he seems pretty cool. What they desperately need from us, what our lost neighbors and families need from us is for us to say, I found the only well that has living water. I have drunk deeply of the love of God and I can't even comprehend how much he loves me and what he has for me that I don't even know yet. And because I have drunk so deeply of this well, I desperately want you to come with me and drink of this same place. Okay, that's what it means to be on mission. It's not saying, hey, I have, I have the better way to go. I know what I'm talking about. I'm so arrogant and prideful. Instead, it's, it's humbly saying, I have found the only water that will ever satisfy all the longings of our souls. And so that's what we're going to talk about as we go into our vision. But let me say a prayer for us, and then we'll do our discussion time now. Dear Heavenly Father, I, I pray that um, as we've just barely scratched the surface of these verses tonight, I pray that your Holy Spirit would even now begin to work the significance of what we're talking about into our souls. I pray that as we process these concepts with our tables, that, that we would all leave this place with a better understanding of your love. I pray that we would encourage one another at these tables, we would point each other to Jesus, 
And that as we wrap up and talk into our, our vision for the upcoming year, that we would see that as rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. So like I said, we're, we're going to do the discussion time here at the middle instead of at the end like we normally do. So uh, the, the questions will be on the screen, though, as always. So uh, it, personally, looking back on this past year, what dry wells were you tempted to run to? You know, if you look at the, at the parts of your year that you found unfulfilling in 2015, what, what about those was a dry well? Why were you drawn to that? And then also we want to think missionally about this. We want to we dissect our culture and say, you know, what dry wells in Falcon and Peyton and Colorado Springs do our neighbors, are they tempted to run to? You know, the dry wells of success or finding my identity in my, my kids' athletic ability or, or whatever it is. What is it that our, our culture runs to that's a dry well? And then the second question, as God thinks of you right now, what is the look on his face? And we talk about these discussion tables being a safe place a lot, but this is where we need to prove that to be true, okay? It, it, this is a tough question. If you really answer it honestly, you're going to get at some, some raw stuff here. So if you're comfortable to answer that with your table, know that your table is going to not think any less of you and that we're going to encourage each other at our tables as we, we answer that question honestly. And then if we have time, get to that third question. It says, how is this good news for my neighbor? And then we're going to uh, bring it back together and we'll talk about this upcoming year and what it is we think God is calling us to. Thanks. Hope your discussions went well. That, uh, I feel like I need to almost apologize. That was apparently really heavy or something. I feel like we sucked all the energy out of the, the room there with that little 20-minute sermon. I was not meaning for that to be depressing. That should be something exciting. We're talking about the love of, love of God. But uh, Captain Monotone here isn't always able to carry the excitement in the room as much as I should. So I'll hopefully we'll do better now, this next segment, as we talk about our vision for the upcoming year, and like I mentioned a second ago, the reason we started right there is because our identity as individuals has to be rooted in Christ, rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. And then from that point, where, where as individuals we have been rooted in the love of Christ, then now we can link arms together as a community. And we can say, what is God leading us into? And what, what mission does he have for us to fulfill? And again, that, that mission can't be fulfilled if it's for our own glory, for our own purposes. Instead, it's because we have our identity so firmly grounded in Christ's love for us that we can't help but share that love with everyone else moving forward. So um, just as each of you has a unique relationship with God, we all do as individuals, our love for God and God's love for us, it, it can take on a different feel and vibe. And the same is true with churches collectively. Okay, so our body of believers here, Missio Dei Falcon, has a little bit different vibe and ethos to it than any other church, just by the, by the fact that God has called us to a different mission than the other churches. So there's some fantastic churches in Falcon and in Colorado Springs and in Peyton, and they're doing a great job of preaching the gospel and uh, building the kingdom, seeing God build the kingdom. But there's a certain demographic that they're not reaching that God has called us to reach instead. Okay, and this isn't about building our own kingdom or our own brand. It's just saying that you know, the fact that we sit around tables, that we talk about mission, that should lead us to, to reaching a different type of person than some of the other churches do. And so what we're going to do now for the next 20 minutes or so is just look at some of what it means to have our identity as a church rooted in Christ. And what does that look like for us moving forward? And so just to kind of recap some things, I want to give you a brief history of Missio Day for those of you that are new and aren't sure necessarily what, uh, where we've come from. In uh, the, the fall of 2012, a Bible study began in our living room. And it was just, just a Bible study. We had, we had talked about the possibility of church planning, but we weren't really 
sure about that. So it was just a, a weekly gathering of, of studying the word together. And then it started to, to grow a little bit. And after about nine or so months in our living room, we couldn't fit in our living room anymore, which sounds way more impressive than it is. If you've seen our living room, it, it's small enough that it doesn't necessarily mean that we've uh, hit some big growth milestone or anything. But at that point, we kind of realized that God was calling us to make a decision. We were either going to step out and trust him that he was up to something in our church um, or that we should just stay a Bible study and stay insular and not outward focused. And so after praying about it, we felt like God was calling us to, to turn the Bible study into a church. And from that point, that, so, and one way to look at this is think of it as four chapters of a story. So that, that was the first chapter, our living room. So from there, we began chapter two, which was we moved to another church in Falcon, Grace Community Church. They uh, very graciously, no pun intended, let us use their building for completely rent-free for 18 months we met there. And it was a fantastic time where we continued to have our identity as a church fleshed out a little bit. We, we continued to grow a little bit, and it was just a, a great time where we kind of figured out some of these things about table groups and discussion and what our feel would be as a church as we move forward. And then chapter three began a, a year ago when we uh, moved out of Grace and into Woodman Hills here. And so we've been meeting in this gym now for about a year, and it's been an amazing time where we have had a more, more visible presence in the community with some signs and website and stuff like that. And again, we've seen God continue to work and draw people to himself. And, and uh, the baptism service last week was an amazing, or two weeks ago, excuse me, was an amazing picture of the type of work that the Holy Spirit has been up to in our church. And so uh, chapter three now, though, is kind of coming to a close and so chapter four is what we'll be talking about here for the next few minutes. And that's where uh, we're all really excited about now as we see, um, we, we, as we kind of wonder what God is going to do next. And so chapter four will begin, I think, this coming Easter when we, and just a few months away from now, actually, when we're going to move from Saturday nights to Sunday mornings. That's kind of the big, um, big announcement that we all need to get on, on board with. Because so, if you come here, yay, there's much rejoicing in the land. Because um, uh, if you come here on Saturday nights and no one's here, you'll know why now. We're meeting on Sunday mornings. Uh, but and I'm going to get into the reason why for that in a little bit. But before I get into some of these details that's going to be happening around here moving forward, I uh, need to make a confession to you. I, uh, we're do going into the book of James next, which is an amazing book. We're going to start that next week. And in some of my study and prepping for it, I was, I was prepping for the book of James while I was prepping for tonight. And I uh, came across this verse that says, uh, You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. And so that needs to be the driving force behind all of this tonight. We, we do not know what the future brings. We are a mist that is here for a short time and then vanishes. But God is sovereign. God is in charge. And we can trust him that he will continue to work in our church. So basically, that verse should say that everything else that I'm about to say, hold with an open hand. Because we've been praying about it a lot and we feel that we have a direction that God is leading us as a church, but we need to always hold that with an open hand because God could change course on that at any moment. And there's some stuff coming that we feel is the right thing for us to do, but if we step into that and, and then um, as, as time goes on, we feel like the God, we might have misheard from God or that uh, we were doing it out of wrong motivations or something, we need to be able to, to change course because we don't know what the future is going to bring. So uh, that's the caveat. It shouldn't uh, damper any excitement about what we're going to talk about, but just to uh, make sure it's kind of my uh, covering my bases in case we change any of this stuff. You won't say I lied to you right now or anything like that. So uh, the, this slide is from our website. Oh, sorry. Yep. Well, so, and it, it covers the four areas that, as a community, we desire to see growth in. Okay, so it, it's personal growth. We want to see our hearts and minds 
grow in grace and truth. That's what it means to just grow in our discipleship and our individual love for Jesus. The second thing is we want to be a see communal growth or relational growth, that we want to be a, a community that is always a safe place where you can invite your friends. And then the third area is we want to be an anchor in the community. This is kind of, this, that's the communal growth part, where we want to help shape the identity of Falcon. And then the fourth one is we want to be a church that plants churches. We want to be, have missional growth as well. So everything that we're going to kind of see coming this upcoming year fits under one of those things. Okay? That's the vision for Missio Day. That's the thing that as we prayed for our church and God to lead us, those are the things that we think he is calling us into. And so now we're going to talk about some practical things that can help shape uh, these four growth points. So we're going to just work through those real quick. The first one, uh, personal growth, our hearts and minds growing in grace and truth. How are we going to invest in this in the upcoming year? And, and what we're going to start pushing and try to really implement in uh, all the different uh, levels of our church is this idea of a personal discipleship plan. Okay, so hearts and minds growing in grace and truth. That's a definition of what we think, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And so we're going to start talking more about this idea of a personal discipleship plan, which is just going to be very practical and pragmatic. You're going to sit down with some brothers and sisters, and we're going to map out what we feel we need to do to grow in our faith. It's going to be kind of like a learning contract for your soul. It's something that you're getting out on paper so you can see uh, what it is that you feel like God is leading you to grow in. And also, we're going to have all kinds of content get dumped here in the next 10 minutes or so. So feel free to take notes or if you have any questions to come to me afterwards or to email me. uh, And then we'll deal with some of those questions uh, either on the website or over uh, email or something. So, so that the personal discipleship plan is the big change that's coming with here, and that will get fleshed out more in the coming weeks as we talk more about that. The second area of growth is this um, uh, relational growth. We want to be a place that you can invite your friends. And the reason for this is because we need this to be a place of mission. There should never be a type of person that you say, oh, they just, they just wouldn't fit in at Missio Day. There's no type of person that the gospel isn't good news for. And so there'll be people that don't like the table discussions and stuff like that, but there should be no one that comes here and feels unloved or unwelcomed or unconnected. As we grow as a community, we need to all be taking the lead and making sure that people, as they come into this place, feel the love of Christ. Okay, it's not about us having a, sh- a social club where we get together with our friends. It's about getting together and being built up in the love of Christ and showing that love to people who come. Okay, but the thing that we've noticed this year is that people who only come on Saturday nights, if you're not connected to some other small group or community group or um, Women of the Word or a fight club, the things that we do for discipleship, we found that you, you're missing out on a huge part of, of what it means to grow in your faith. And so as Brandon mentioned during the announcements, this year we are really going to continue to push and emphasize community groups. So community groups meet every other week in someone's home. It's, it's a, a group of men and women from different walks of life, different age groups, gathering together to process their faith together. And so currently we have, we have three groups that are going, and um, we have leaders for those. They've been doing a great job, and they've been most of the growth spiritually that our community has experienced has come in the context of those community groups. So that's why we want to really, really encourage you all to, if you're not in a group currently, to find one to join. And so because of this, we're hoping to start a couple of new groups and work through the gospel-centered life and the gospel-centered community, those two books on the back table there, so that we can have our identity shaped in the love of Christ. And that happens best in community. The, The 10 minutes of discussion are great, 
but they're no replacement for spending two hours together, life on life, sharing a meal together, sharing your struggles, caring for one another, and studying the word and growing in faith. So um, if you aren't a part of a group, please come talk to me. I'd really love to get you connected to one, either like one of the new ones we're starting or to plug you into an existing one. Um, so that, that's the uh, communal growth. And then the next point is the, uh, no, the, is the communal. I keep mixing these up, I'm sorry. Um, and the anchor in the community. Okay, so we want to be an anchor in the community. And the reason for this is, is because Falcon is a, is a brand new community. Okay, when I was growing up in Peyton, Falcon didn't exist. Okay, and then over the years, they built Safeway and then things started to explode. And the reason that Falcon is here right where it's at is because it's the intersection of Highway 24 and Woodman Road which it means you can either get to the, to the south end of town and all the military bases or to the north end of town and all the other different uh, workplaces there. So, so Falcon is literally a community built around getting out of town as fast as you can, which is not very conducive to having its own identity. So if you live in Falcon, ask someone, you know, what does it mean to be from Falcon? And no one can tell you because Falcon doesn't have an identity yet. So that can be, that's discouraging. That's why it's hard to feel a sense of community in Falcon. But more importantly, that should be exciting and invigorating. Because if Falcon doesn't have an identity yet, because it's too new, it's, it's only a few years old, then think of the opportunity that we have to see the gospel shape the identity of Falcon. So that, so that when, when we talk about what it means to be from Falcon, we can say that it's a place where you experience the richness of God's love, where there's healthy churches that produce healthy neighbors who care for their, their next-door neighbors and their friends, and, and they invest in the schools, and the schools are, are taken care of by people who love Jesus and want to see the kids thrive and, and no kids be hungry or, or need clothes or backpacks. Or it's, just, it's a community that is so um, imbibed with the love of God that it, it, it just flows out from us and onto everyone that we meet. Okay, that's the exciting part about Falcon not having an identity yet is because I think God is calling us to help shape that identity. Okay, and this isn't just, just Falcon. This is Colorado, Eastern Colorado Springs, Peyton. Uh, growing up in Peyton, like, you know what it means to be from Peyton. Okay, and usually that's not a good thing, right? But we have some people that are in Peyton that have been praying for Peyton for years, and, and the identity of Peyton is slowly being transformed by the gospel. And that's what we want to see in our communities. This kind of transformation that says the love of God has gone out into the world. It's not just staying here in our gatherings, but it's going out into the world and making a visible, tangible difference. Okay, that's what we want to see happen in this upcoming year. And so the, one of the ways that we're going to try to get at that, a practical way, is by moving to Sunday mornings. Now that, that sounds like a kind of a small change for this big goal, but the reality is that think of your non-Christian neighbors and friends, and if you have invited them to church on Saturdays, how many times did you have to invite them before they were able to come? I mean, usually it's, it's a lot because our culture, Saturday night is just a time that is always happening. There's stuff you're going out and doing. There's football games, baseball games, concerts, movies. There's just all kinds of stuff that, that can distract people from church. But for some reason, Sunday morning is still a pretty relatively free time for our neighbors. And so by moving to Sunday morning, we want to do is create the space that it's easier for a non-Christian to come in here be invited by one of us here, and then feel the love of Jesus. Okay, that, that's why we have those bumper stickers on the table and those invitation cards, especially those invitation cards. They look like business cards, and it says, you're invited. Please, please take some of those with you and give them out to your friends. Okay, people will come to church if you invite them. But most of the time, we are too afraid because we don't want to be that weird Christian that's pushy. When all it is is saying, if that second point is true, 
If this is a place you can invite your friends, then why would you not invite them here? And they would come and experience the love and community and hear the gospel. This is what we have to be, guys. And this is how we, we make it that way by being those things. We, we take the initiative to make sure people are welcomed. We take the initiative to make sure people feel connected. We take the initiative in going after people and loving them, even if they are hard to love. Okay, that's what we want to see in our community moving forward. And so the Sunday morning thing is going to be a big change for us. So we've been meeting now for almost uh, three and a half years, and we've been on Saturday nights the whole time. So if you have any concerns about this, if this is harder to work into your, your work schedule or whatever it is, please come talk to me. And no, we're not trying to make it harder for you to come to church. What we are doing is trying to make it easier for everyone in, in our neighborhoods to come to church and hear of the love of Jesus. So that, that is coming, again, Lord willing, that's coming Easter Sunday. So Easter Sunday is May, or sorry, March 27th. I believe. And so beginning March 27th, we will, Lord willing, be on Sunday mornings every week moving ahead. And so the, the school's already lined up and ready to go, and I think everything's going ahead with that. So that's one of the things that's coming with there. Uh, and then the last area here, the missional growth, is this, uh, we want to be a church that plants churches. Okay, so if we are rooted and grounded in the love of God, if, if those roots are going deep and spreading out, what happens with a healthy tree or certain types of trees anyway, is that then they start to have shoots that sprout up. And then there's a whole new tree that comes, out, that comes out of the health of the root system of the previous tree. And that's what it means to have missional growth. Jesus multiplies the church. Okay, it's not just us getting bigger. It's, it's multiplication where there's, there's two churches and then four churches and then eight churches. And that, that comes out of a healthy root system in the love of God. And so one of the... So Practically, how we get to that point is we, we need to be a healthy church. We need to have our roots run deep. And there's two things that we're going to do with this. The first thing is membership. We, we announced that uh, last fall. We had our first membership class go through, and we, we've uh, now wrapped all that up. All the membership interviews have gone by, and we have our, our first group of members. It's like 17 or 18, I believe, people here. I don't want to embarrass you, but uh, you know who I'm talking about. So you guys are, are members now. And being a member at Missio Day means you're committed to owning that vision. Okay, all four of those things. It says you are committed to seeing those things happen. You take ownership for this idea of growing in your faith, of being a welcoming place, of being an anchor in the community, all that stuff. And, and, the, and the way that we do that is we have this uh, two-pronged commitment that people make. It says, I am and I will. So I am a, a gospel-believing, sin-repenting, mutually submissive, baptized Christian. Okay, that's what it means to be a member of Missio Day, And then you're also committing the, the I will part. You say, I will participate consistently, serve joyfully, give sacrificially, and live missionally. So those eight things there are nothing, I mean, exciting or profound that we've come up with. What those are is a description of what a healthy Christian does everywhere. And so we want to en encourage you, if you haven't become a member yet, to take that membership class. More information about that will be coming soon as well. Um, and, and then the, the other thing, the last thing with this point that we, um, as far as how do we become more missionally healthy is, is this concept of shepherding. Okay, so I'm, you're going to start to hear the word shepherding a whole lot more around here. And so a, a shepherding is what it means to have a pastor. Okay, the word for pastor literally means shepherd. And if you look at how the church is structured in the New Testament, it's around this shepherding model. Which means that so that the, the flock, the shepherd is in charge of making sure that the flock is protected, uh, that, they're, that they're led well, and that they're fed. Okay, that's what a shepherd's job. And what the New Testament teaches us, and the Old Testament as well, 
is that God is the chief shepherd. Okay, God is the one who protects us. God is the one who feeds us on his word. God is the one who leads us into deeper understanding of his love. And so what pastors and leaders in churches are, what they are really is under shepherds. Okay, they they are, are people looking after the flock that God has entrusted them. And, and here's the exciting part about that, is that concept of leadership is something that God wants all of us to step into. Okay, not necessarily in the elder or pastor way, but the fact that you need to be a leader of your own soul. You need to be a leader of self. And at the same time, God's calling each of us here, without exception, to be a leader of others. Okay, to lead other people to the well of God's love for them. To, to drink deeply of that well we talked about. So that concept of leadership and shepherding is, has profound implications for all of us when it comes to growing in our faith and seeing others grow. So we're going to have uh, some leadership training start to begin here in the end of January. And, and if you feel like God is calling you to take a, a bigger role in Missio Day, to see some, take on some leadership responsibilities, please talk to me. Uh, because we want to see leaders multiplied so that ministry can be multiplied so that the gospel will continue to go forth in, in a multiplying fashion. So that, that's what the, the vision for this upcoming year is for us as a church. And there's all, all the other stuff that I would like to get to, but I don't want to... I just keep dumping too much information on you. But other than that, everything is just basically going to be more of the same, like in, in a good way, right? Not just more of the same old yada, 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 but like more of the same awesome things that God has been doing in our church, which means Missio Kids is going to continue to be a point of emphasis. Okay? You, you can't really be a, a healthy, functioning member of Missio Day and not notice that there is 40% kids back there. Okay, that's a huge percentage of our church is, is kids fifth grade and under, which is an amazing blessing. It's an amazing sign of life and the way that God's working in our church, which that means we will always have serving and missio kids be one of the primary ways we connect people to serving in our church. Um, the, the table groups are going to continue to exist in our church as we move to Sunday mornings. That, that means that we will continue to need people to lead discussions well. To, to welcome visitors, to make sure they get their, their little welcome jam and they fill out a visitor card so we can connect with them and get to know them better and to get to love them more. And so like those types of things are going to continue to happen. Um, there's some other stuff that's coming, like we're hoping to hire another full-time staff sometime here in the next year. Um, and if that's going to happen, we need to see our, our, our giving continue to grow. We, we have a pretty healthy financial status as a church right now, but if we're going to see more mission done, we need to see more giving as well. Okay, this isn't being uh, the, the greedy preacher talking about money. It's the fact that the more we give, the more we can go. And we, there's a lot of places we want to go on mission. And, and some of that takes some funding that we need to have to see a healthy budget. Um, and so that, that's, that's this upcoming year. That's 2016, again, with an open hand, Lord willing that God uh, allows those things to happen. But the, the thing I want to end with tonight before we transition into communion as we wrap up is this concept of whose glory are we doing this for? Because whenever you talk about churches and growth and things that we want to see happen, the natural re reaction to that is we get really inward focused. Okay, this all becomes about us and our little kingdom of Missio Dei and seeing Missio Dei grow and seeing our, our responsibility grow. And it can become really inward focused and about us, which is why we're, we're ending now right back where we started. It says the only way any of this has any significance is if we as a church are rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. And, and if that's true, then it means all this stuff that we've talked about, all these things that we want to see, is not going to be about our glory and our kingdom. It's going to be about pointing more and more people to the love of Christ. 
And so that, that passage that we just wrapped up in verse 20, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Okay, that's an amazing promise. He can do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Everything that, that we've talked about tonight is just scratching the surface of what God wants to do in our communities, to see marriages healed, to see, to see kids' relationship with their parents restored, to see, to see all kinds of revival take place in our community. We're just barely scratching the surface. But God can do more abundantly than that according to the power at work within us. And to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him be the glory throughout all generations forever and ever. This is not about our glory or anything that you and I do here to build our kingdom. Okay? We are going to, we're going to all die one day. If, if, the, if Jesus doesn't come back, we all will die. Okay? Whatever work we have invested our lives in is going to pass. And the only thing that will ever be counted as significant is the things that we did in light of God's love for us. The contributions that, that we saw him do through us to his kingdom as his kingdom grew. And so tonight we're going to end, uh, as we transition to communion, we're going to all take communion together. We're going to have someone go around to your table and hand out the elements, and then we're going to hold them until everyone has them, and then we're going to partake of them together. And what I'm wanting to get across with that point is that, that we are in this together. This is, I mean, there, there is a point where it's your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing, but in the same way, not contradictory to that, is the fact that we together, our relationship with Jesus is where we find strength. The fact that we can together link arms and point each other to Christ. And so that's, that's why we're going to take communion together. And, and as the elements are being handed out, we're going to sing this song about, about asking this question of whose glory are we really living for? Okay, so let me read the first line to this song. It says, Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive. Unless the Lord does raise the house, its builders in vain its builders strive. To you who boast tomorrow's gain, tell me what is your life? A mist that vanishes at dawn, all glory be to Christ. Okay, that's what all of this is about. It's not about our efforts that are, because they're not going to stand anyway. What all of this is about is the glory of Christ and seeing his glory made known in our community. So um, if I asked you to come serve the elements, would you please uh, come up and grab them and start handing them out. And then all of us, let's stand and I'm going to say a word of prayer. We're going to sing a song and then I'll come back up and pray for us and we'll partake of the elements together. Um, if, if you are new here, we serve open communion, which means as long as you love Jesus, please partake of the communion with us. Um, if you're not yet a Christian, we'd ask that you abstain um, and, until you can learn more about what it means to follow Jesus. But uh, let me say a prayer and then we will sing this song together. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your, your love for us tonight. And I pray that that would be the motivating factor for everything we talked about. That it, it wouldn't be about our glory or anything that we could do, our efforts, Lord. But it would be about finding our, our value and our dignity and your love for the sake of your glory. And we ask all these things in the name of your Son.